Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, David, and thank you for that bird. Oh, uh, yes. I, I, I appreciate your uh, love of the, or, the ornithi- I guess it's ornithical kind. Ornitho- uh-huh. Yeah, ornitho- ornithological. <laughs> the ornithological nature of this discussion is getting great. <laughs> 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 ornithology! That might be the title of this episode. There you go, ornithology. <laughs> and um, what ornithologists do. Oh, uh, well... I'm sure we do could they, probably turn that around to the excursion that I had today. Do <laughs> they ever go to the ATM? That's what I, I want. I went on what Joe Bonham also likes to call a guitar safari. <laughs> it was, yeah. So got, okay, well, do our, our, our housekeeping. Yeah, I, I'm, we, I'm right there, man. So, for those of you that have found this podcast, are you a regular listener? Why not? Subscribe to the Practical Guitarist using your chosen podcast app. Take the time to put in a review with service where you found our podcast, like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Or maybe I handed you a business card today. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash practical guitarist. You can also find us on on Twitter as at practguitarist. And if you're interested in supporting the show, we have launched a threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. If you'd like to donate money uh, to the show, there's always our Patreon. Our Patreon is available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. And if you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can do so at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Ah, it's good. It's been a it's been a heck of a day. It's been a heck of a weekend, man. I got I got I got stories from yesterday too. Uh, Maybe those maybe those will say those for for the uh, after the show between you and I kind of discussion. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But uh, so, Jim, uh, we've been doing this thing. Well, we were attempting to do this thing, and I I think you may have deviated from this path at this point. Called uh, (laughs) Year of No Gear. And, yeah, um, I think it's done. How long did we last? Well, well you going. lasted 21 days or 22 days, depending on your perspective. And uh, I lasted all of, well, so I haven't bought anything yet. I yeah. almost did today. I was ready to break down today. Um, yes. But I, I did not. And that's because God intervened and yes. and decided that I did not need to break down yet. So, um, but you're close. Let's let me tell, I'll tell the story now. Okay. So I get up this morning and I'm on guitar center's website and I'm, I'm kind of trolling around cause I know guitar center's local, right? I've been wanting to check out one of the Ibanez AZs. Um, I think we've talked about it, uh, in the podcast group, probably on the show at some point. I'm interested in the AZ. I, I'm primarily a strat player. Um, I play S 500s. They're like a modern take on the strat. They've got some outrageous pickups in them and stuff. Well, anyway, I went to go. Um, I went to go try an AZ, and I found that there was one at my local guitar center, which happens to be the Arlington Heights store. Um, and so I went over there with the intention of trying the AZ, and I walked in and I looked in the amp room. Now I've been using, and I, I should probably preface all of this with with this. I, I use the Line Six Helix, um, and there's a particular model in there of an amplifier that I've actually begun begun to enjoy quite a bit, and that is the Friedman Brown Eye model. Um, I don't think they call it the Brown Eye in the uh, in the helix, but I have to say brown eye as many times as I can, especially since Jim is face palming as I say brown eye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Brown eye. Okay. As long as they haven't gone to the ATM, we're all right. Yes, uh, not yet. Um, so, um, and now my Facebook is blowing up while we're on the show. People in the Friedman group, because I posted on that. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, so, I walked in, and I've been using the brown eye model, and I found the Ibanez AZ right away. And I had to get a guy to come get it, get it down for me, and he was super cool. So, um, I took it into the Platinum Room, where the pile of Friedman amplifier sets and it had not occurred to me yet why are there so many Friedmans here some of them are the same model and I'm going wow and I look and they're all pink tagged which means they're on clearance or is it pink or orange or whatever it is and the prices on them are 300 to 600 dollars off list and I'm going I just hit the jackpot so I'm like well I'll try them out. I'll see what I think. And then, because I played Friedman's before. Um, I played one at, at uh, Sweetwater Gear Fest, and it's enough that they're on my short list. They're amps that I would really enjoy to own, really enjoy owning. So I played, um, I played the Pink Taco, which the name says it all, uh, which is a single channel head with basically like kind of a Plexi slash JCM 800 sort of leaning, uh, a little bit warmer, little bit more brown sounding than uh your typical you know marshall clone um they're great amps the 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 pink taco is hand wired inside i mean it is it is every bit as good as you think it should be right uh it's 20 watts el84 driven um sounds great whatever it's got an effects loop we've we've complained and complained about that kind of thing before um but it's single channel and so I'm like, eh, they have the runt sitting here next to it. And the runt is actually cheaper. So I, I, they have two runt combos. One is new, one is used. And then they have a runt head. And then they have the runt 50-watt head. Okay? The 50-watt head is $1,300. The two runts were $1,199. Well, the, the one combo was $1,199. The head was $1,090. The... Used one was 950, which was a combo as well. So I played through the new Runt combo, and uh, I really liked it. I liked it as much as I liked the Pink Taco. It's dual channel. I got a clean sound that I actually liked out of it, which that's one thing that I've really struggled with with my Mark V. And it's not that the Mark V can't do good clean sounds. It can't do them quietly. And that's the problem. My my Mark V, in order to do clean sounds, has to be uh, has to be basically running full out, um, and that's a problem because I live in a condo. So um, I made a snap decision. I walked to the, the counter. I talked to the guy that I deal with a lot at Guitar Center, and I basically told him flat out. I said, "Okay, I'm bringing my Mark V and my cabinet in here, and I want to I want to see if I can do an even trade." And um, he kind of reminds me, well, that's not really how we do things here. And I'm like, well, no, I understand. You're going to give me value for my, my equipment. And I, and so I said, let's talk what they're worth. Well, he looked in the computer and I wasn't really thrilled with his estimate, but I was like, well, we'll make it work. And I left and I started getting the jitters and, you know, you get that panicky feeling and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing at this point. Like, do I really want, cause I've, I've invested the Mark five. I've been using this thing for five years now. Um, so I finally, uh, came to the realization that I was not going to leave the $600 value on the table for my used Mark V that was sitting there. So I was going to go back and I was going to buy it, but I was going to buy it on credit 
And then I was just going to, I was going to sell the Mark V outright, pocket the five or $600 difference, and then take the, the uh, extra money and put that towards um, the purchase of, um, the purchase of, you know, the, uh, that was on the cards, basically. Pay off my cards. And then take the additional money and just stick it in my uh, fund for next year's Gear Fest as I had intended to get right back on the wagon. And um, as it turns out, when I went back, I took my S500 with me. I took my Sunface and we ran through uh, we ran through the used one because I figured the used one would be cheaper. Uh, first, first thing that went wrong was I looked in the back and there's a box filled with tubes. And I went, what the hell is this all about? And then it dawns on me, the guy, the original guy who had this probably replaced all the tubes in it. Well, I crank it up, and we're in a platinum room, so I can get pretty loud. Uh, I crank it up, I, I push the clean channel, I hit an A note on the fifth fret on low E string, and the amp vibrates, like, really bad. And you can hear the sound of, like, paper fluttering. So I'm even holding the tags in my hand and hitting that note, right? And it's still doing it. And I'm going, this is weird. Like something here is vibrating that's not supposed to. And there's a little bit of static accompanied by it. And I've had this happen before. Um, the guitars I play have a lot of bass. And so because of that, I've run into this situation where the um, amps don't typically, they don't, um, they don't handle it well. A lot of amps don't handle it well. Um, my Rivera did not handle it well, for example. Uh, so... Long story short, I unplug from that amp. I unplug into the brand new one, right? Sitting right next to it. Plug it in. And it's not the same problem, but it's similar. If I hit those low notes on the low E string, it's vibrating in a strange way. And I'm getting the sound of like ripped paper, like somewhere buried beneath the clean note. And it's not happening on any of the treble strings. Like it's hard as I pick. And I'm just slamming it and nothing's happening. I'm going, oh, this is not going to work. So I plugged into the head thinking, well, if this is a vibration issue, the head shouldn't have this problem because it's separate from the cabinet, which is usually the case. Plugged into the head. Unfortunately, it didn't do any of those things. What it did was just start going blah, 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 and shorting out. And there's some there's some sort of either bad socket in there or a bad tube and it's vibrating funny and it's not making good connection and it's you know, it's causing all sorts of fun sounds that were not going to work for me. I mean, literally, we'd had to take the amp and send it immediately in for repair. And actually, the other two amps would have probably had to go in for repair, too, because they had some sort of microphonic issue. Like, it's not normal. Um, so I, I plugged back into the Pink, pink Taco. I It was 1100 I almost bought it. It was just the head. Um, but I finally came to my senses, and I said, you know what? I'm not buying something for the sake of buying something. Like, I need something that works for me, and I need a clean sound. And if I can't get that clean sound on a foot switch, it's just not going to work for me. So, here I am, still on the uh, Year of No Gear kick. And uh, God smiled upon me and decided that these deals were not for David. So, wimp. 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 Yeah. That, shit. Yeah, wimp. <clears throat> shit. I could go out right now. I could sell my Mark V and buy an Amp 1 and, and probably yep. be totally happy. But yep. I'm not going to do that. All right. God well, stirred me on this path and I stay on it, my friend. All right. So I've got a silly question for you before I move on. Sure. I've got a conundrum. So I was thinking 
that I want to get a Squire Classic Vibe strap. Classic and vibe. I don't care about the electronics. I don't care about the pickups. They can right. vibrate, they can do whatever, because I'm going to pull the whole thing out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put in an EMG set, the David Gilmore EMG set. And you're going to do this before June of next year, correct? No, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> but here's the thing. A, a little gift to myself, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, it, so you're off the wagon gift. Yeah. Because I've already gone off the wagon. Yeah, he's I'm off, he's the wagon off the so damn much. reservation, frankly. Yeah. So my question is, what's basically, I mean, other than the electronics, because I don't care. Basically, if you look at a classic vibe strat and um, the uh, Stratocaster called, um, it's still a Squire. They're both Squires. The uh, contemporary Stratocaster. Okay. Other than one is an HSS. Or, I mean, yeah, HSS. And the other one's SSS. And they do have a different bridge. I'll give neck, you that. One's got a two-point bridge. Neck radius? I don't know. I believe the I modern think, player is 12, right? Okay, so it's flatter? I think. I'm not sure on that. But I think the modern players, they've tried to do 12-inch radiuses. So it's a flatter radius. Correct. Which is what I play on. Yeah, the, you're, um, you're used to a 12-inch because almost everything you play is 12-inch. Yeah. So And so I'm wondering, but I do see that the bridge is different. On the... Oh, Two-point versus the six... The Squire Contemporary, they call yeah, it. Yeah, but it's a two-point two bridge, right, instead of the six. Versus the six, exactly. Yeah, you want a two-point. I know everybody says, oh, six saddle, or six, the six screws where it's at. If you're going to ever use that trem bar, you want a two-point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking, hmm, this is good. It's right in the price range, 350 So I'd spend the same amount for the guitar as the... Um, <laughs> the pickups. As the pickups. No, but that's the thing. Like, when you do these project guitars, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would look for a used set of the David Gilmore EMGs, because they're probably just going to be a loaded pick guard anyway. Yep, that's all it is. And it's all it's all jumper connected, so there's no solder joints. Yep. Um, I mean, that's that's what I would do. I mean, that'll save you a hundred bucks. Yeah, so, probably. Um, and that's and so that's my conundrum. But I'm thinking, you know what? I could just get this Squire Contemporary, and uh, well, just as happy. If you're wanting, are you setting this thing up yourself, or are you going to take it somewhere and have them do it? Like is that? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull do, everything out and do it myself. No, no, no. I mean, you, are you setting it like so? Like setting your action intonation adjustments and all that. You do that all yourself. Oh, I do it all myself. Yeah. Okay. So if you're gonna do it yourself, I'd go for the 12 inch radius because yeah. I have had nightmarish problems with nine and a half inch radius on Fender guitars and bending. And I know yeah. purists and there are people listening screaming at their their whatever device that they're listening to our podcast on. Albeit, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Uh, yep. They're screaming <laughs> at their device right now. You son of a bitch! You can do anything you want in the nine and a half inch radius. Look, I'm absolutely certain you can. The problem is, when you get a guitar from Fender, especially a cheap one, if, if it's a Squire or Fender or whatever, the frets are never freaking level. And you're going to have right. to take it to a really good guy to get them leveled properly. And then, until you do that you're going to have problems with fretting out around the 10th, 11th, maybe the 9th fret. You'll, yeah. you'll fret out at the 12th, 13th, and 14th, respectively. 
because there's a hump that exists in those necks because of the way that yep. the bull, it's a whole thing. Um, I'm not going to go into the physics of it, but like I, I, I've had enough strats to tell you that that's a problem. And so um, I would look for a 12 inch radius or a nine and a half inch radius and a really good tech and try to get, if they can put a compound radius into the frets, which a lot of guys are like into that thing now, they may yep. be able to do that. Um, if they can do that, that's even better if you get a nine and a half, because then you can go, you can, you can literally have the other end at you know, really flat in the middle and you won't, you won't fret out anymore. It won't be a problem. Um, I'm so my whole thing, Jim is, um, it almost doesn't make sense for me anymore to buy off the shelf guitars nope. because I can just go, I can go right to warm off. I can get a body and a neck, get them exactly the way I want them and just order them and bolt them together. And if it's a guitar that I'm going to keep and play forever, I don't really sell guitars all that much. There've been a couple that have gone through my hands, but most of the stuff I have, I've had like really long term. So I don't mind building a parts guitar. Um, I know I'm not going to get any money out of it, but, but so top quality parts, right? If I was going to go get another S 500 from, from uh GNL USA, I would, I would be spending like 1400, 1300, and I can go to Warmoth and probably get the same guitar sans pickups. I mean, I'll have to find some other pickups to put in it for like, you know, half that, if that. Yep. Somebody's got a, um EMG set for $150 right now. Yeah, that's not bad. Reverb. That's actually a really good price. But that is the only used set on there. Yeah. Keep your eyes peeled, though, because they do show up from time to time. I mean, I would just buy it now. I'd look off eBay, too, as well. Yeah, if you got 150 true. bucks, I just buy it now. Yeah. Is, and, so and so it's the pit guard and everything? Yeah, it says, uh, yeah, it's the whole thing. Oh, yeah, whole go set. for it. Go just for pulled it. out of the strat that was reverted to the original pickups, everything in working order, but you'll need a new output jack. Yeah, no Which is deal. fine. You're going to have so, a new output jack. It's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to do that anyway. So, plus, um, plus you'd have the one that's on there. But, okay, so here's my, um, uh, so a lot of people would ask, well, why would you want the Gilmore? EMGs. Well, that's because that's the live sound. Okay. Because he liked to have more um, in in a live situation. He liked to have more, uh, uh, in, you know, when you're uh, more output. Well, and it's better controlled. I think there's a couple of reasons why he uses the EMGs live most of the time. So he does. Right. He does play the Black Strat live still. Yes, um, he does. The the guitar that Jim's talking about is the red. I think it's red, right? The candy mm -hmm. apple red one. Yep. Yeah, and it's it, typically red. Yeah, and he's got. I think he's got a white one too. Like he's that. got a white one too. Yeah, right. and they That's both have they both have EMGs. Well, the yep. reasoning behind him using EMGs is partially probably because of output, but I think it's also to kill the noise. Have you seen That's his pe pedal board and the amount of shit he runs through? Yep. Um, he wants it silent, and he doesn't use humbuckers, so. It's that, you know, that's the perfect tool for him. The other thing is, um, so he can take those EMG pickups and put them into dog shit uh, plywood, cardboard, yeah. and uh, it'll sound like the red strap. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. so as long as it can hold the strings, like, it's fine. Um, exactly. So I think from that perspective, that's probably a really good choice for a Squire Classic vibe. Because the body's garbage and it's like ten different pieces on the and, I, and I'm sure that their bodies are better than that now. They got court making them. Yeah. Um That they, you know, you're gonna you're gonna take even a dog shit piece of wood and turn it into something worth listening to. Now, if you're gonna get a square a square classic vibe, 
I would look for a light one. Yeah. Because I have a and feeling I, they vary in weight a lot. Yeah, they have a lot of weight. I mean, they're poplar bodies. Um, if Well, the, the classic vibe isn't. The contemporary is. So if I go with the 12-inch radius and I get the poplar body, then um, poplar. it's a light. Yeah. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, I know. I know, Poplar's right? soft wood, right? Poplar. Yeah. It's like pine. Yes. Ugh. Poplar is very, yeah, it's a soft wood. I mean, I get it's, I get pine telecasters because that was a thing, but I think that the reason they're doing that, remember, it's contemporary. So you want a consistently light piece of wood, and you want um, the flatter radius. I'd rather have them chamber chamber alder. <laughs> yeah, but if I'm going to buy it, I well, mean, I could always chamber. Just remember, of- when you buy a chamber guitar, you're paying for the wood that they cut out. That's it. Yep. <laughs> and you're paying for the fact that they cut the wood out. Yeah. So you actually pay more money. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, though, Jim, I, I'm, you know, as I get deeper into this, like, whole, like, I, I kind of want to get another guitar, guitar next year. I'm thinking maybe I do a strat that's chambered because I want a super lightweight guitar that I can play on stage and no longer have to worry about my back hurting. Because I, I honestly been playing my S500 a lot. That thing's a brick, man. Both of them are. They're really, really heavy guitars um, for for strats. They're they're as heavy as a Les Paul. It's it's just stupid, and it's it's because they're ash. Yeah. Well, one of them's yep. ash, one of them's mahogany. Um, yep. And it's like it's not necessarily a bad choice for the for the guitar. The guitars sound great, and I'll never like I'll never say I won't keep those guitars. Even now that I'm starting to question why I love them so much. Like they're not going anywhere. <laughs> that, that, that's not. That's. Right. I'll put them in a case and put them in the closet and not play them for a while. It's fine. Right. But um, I'm looking. So you're you're looking at that. So yeah. what, remember, I went to Guitar Center to try the Ibanez AZ. Yeah. I. I oh my god, dude, they're great. I, it, the one yeah. I played. The one I played was the the twelve hundred dollar model with the dual humbuckers. Yep. It was like uh, yellow, orange, and red. It was a fade from front to back instead of a normal uh, sunburst type thing. It wasn't a burst right. type thing. And yep. it looked it looked great. It played great. Stainless steel frets. Um, and you could tell it had not been set up since they took it out of the box, but the action was not like completely ridiculous. Yep. Tre- trem system on it seemed like it was solid. Um the neck was had really good rolled edges, almost. So you know they're doing. They used to do the prestige. They used to work their ass off on the necks. Now, right. now I think even the Indonesian guitars are getting the neck treatment because yep. that because that guitar was just phenomenal. You're lo- seeing better and better guitars coming out of Indonesia now. I mean, yeah, go ahead. You see the big smile on my face, right? Yeah. Because now that I've played the AZ out of Indonesia, I'm thinking when I go to uh, Gear Fest and I got all this this. Uh, Cheddar hanging around, I might just opt for the prestige model. I might, yeah. I, I might do it to twelve hundred. Yeah, it's a lot of money, but I actually it's not so twelve hundred. It's two thousand. It's two thousand for the uh, prestige. Well, there's yes. they have a two thousand dollar and they have a twenty five hundred dollar model. The twenty five hundred dollar yeah. model, the only difference is it's a burst and it's got a, fl- right. a fancy flame top on it. And yeah. uh, from what I understand, they look really good. I haven't seen yeah. one yet. Um, yeah. But I don't think I would pay five hundred bucks for the aesthetics. To be honest with you, it's this is a tool. No, for there's me. no point in it. There is no point unless you need the aesthetics. If you're on tour with Shania Twain, and you know, or, nobody's going to be able to see like that, that if you're on a big stage like that, though. Yeah, maybe you're, if you're, you're on gonna, the jumbotron, you know. 
It's all about, yeah, but it is all about your looks to you because your picture is all over the place, right? Right, right, right. Where, where if you are playing, you know, Billy Joe Jim Bob's Pizza Parlor and then uh, Ronnie's um, uh, nightclub, well, then what's the point of having to pay all that money for the for the guitar um, just so that it's prettier? I was just saying to you before we started. I am loving playing my SE and my CE sits more and that's, that's backwards from yeah. what it should be. Um, but the SE, the, the feel of it is the same. And the, and honestly, the pickups are great. I think Paul Ritzmith, you know, whether they wanted to or not, they built a fantastic guitar coming out of Korea. Um, and I think some of the newer SEs are out of Indonesia as well. Um, and the and the eighty five fifteen S's are just as good as the eighty five fifteens. And it, and <clears throat> you don't have to spend all that money unless you want the look or you want the I've got to have an American guitar thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yes, and so both both versions of the AZ are imports, which makes it even funnier. You can buy Indonesian or Japanese. Now, granted, right. we all kind of, I think the wall between Japanese quality and American quality, I think everybody kind of knows that that's, there is no wall there anymore. No, um, no. If anything, the Japanese are better at it than we are. Um, yeah, a lot of things. So, I mean, I, I'm completely comfortable just saying, going whole hog with it. Now, here's the problem. So now that I've played the AZ, right. I've played, and I've mentioned this on the podcast, I'm absolutely certain, I've played a bunch of SIRS over the years. Yep. Through Chicago Music Exchange. I've never found one I really liked. But these are knockoffs of Sures. Or Sures. Right. Sures. And so, so I would like to go now play some more Sures. Uh, okay. Play through yeah, a bunch but, of them and just make sure that, like, I don't want to get a Sur, you know, or would I rather get the Ibanez? Okay, so let me ask you this. When it comes to the Sur, because the Sur, to me, this is just, I've found that in that, because you're looking at that price range, right? That that twelve hundred dollar yeah, price they're, range. they're quite well. No, I'm looking at the two thousand dollar price range. All right, I'm thinking I'm going to get the thousand dollar price range. All right, you're in Sir territory, but you're I don't not think a, you can touch the Sirs until you get to three. Well, I was just going to say you're you're in low end used Sir territory. Well, my the real the real reason is is curiosity, Jim. I mean, I I I want to get hands on a couple more because I feel like I haven't given them a fair shake. I mean, if they spawn the AZ line, if that was like Ibanez taking note that Sir was taking sales from them, and they were like, "All right, so now we're going to have to do something to reclaim the throne," um, then I kind of laugh because I'm like, "You did a better job than they did based on what I know now," and I have a feeling that that I've just been unlucky in picking Sirs because there's a lot of dudes playing them. However, after after my debacle with the um. The Freedmans today. I'm wondering how much of the endorsement money that's flying around right now is literally getting people to sign off on basically dog shit equipment. I'm not saying I've, that I'm not saying that the Freedmans are bad, but I am saying that the the couple I touched today were a mess electronically. There was something now yeah. the used one aside. Two dirty Shirley's or not dirty Shirley's the uh, the runts. Two of them boarded amps, no less, and they were yep. not up to snuff compared to like brown eyes and stuff I played. They just right. weren't. It's not yeah. that the design, well, 
it's not that the that the you know the tone wasn't there. Like they they knew what they had to do, which was put the brown eye into a smaller amp, and they did a really right. good job of that. But the problem is the quality isn't there. And I'm wondering, all these guys that are running around endorsing Friedman, are they getting you know the top quality pick of the pick of the line? And, right. Or or they're just getting quality technical support and they're you know being well taken care of financially enough that they're saying oh yeah i can play this right. um let's so let's let's talk about friedman and dorsey's right now so that we know there's a uh, bill uh, i think it's bill Kaler from um uh, mastodon's using them um yep. jude gold uses them he's got a brown eye um i mean their their roster list is long and and full there's a lot of people on there Pretty much it's a who's who of like rock and roll right now. And um, so Sir is kind of the same way. And a lot of the same guys that are playing Sirs are either playing Sir amps or they're playing Friedman. Who's the who's the podcast guy that um, or not podcast, the YouTube guy that does uh, that plays Sirs and uh, Paul Pete Pete Thorne. Pete Thorne. Yeah, he's a Sir guy. Yeah. Yep. But so Pete, Pete, I kind of understand. So like, I, I get because you know uh, Guthrie Gavon used to be Sir too. Yep. And then he went to Charvel. Yep. And it wasn't, and like he made it very public when he left. He was like, "It's not because Sir did anything wrong." He says, it's "Because I, my, my situation has just gotten to a point where Sir can't deal with me anymore. Like I need to make sure that I can, I can get guitars quickly, and like I don't want to hurt anybody else's ability to get guitars and that kind of stuff." So he, he dropped out by the way i have a large orange feline who's decided to lay on my <laughs> mouth right now um she's having a good time with me so that's fine um this is michonne everyone yes. that, that is this kitty's name and she will cut your head off if you're you know the walking dead <laughs> uh, anyway um yeah so i, I just i just wonder if um, when you're looking at Friedman, I wonder if they grew too fast. Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm wondering. Happened. I well, I wonder if they discontinued the runt line because the runt was supposed to be their low end model for people that couldn't afford like the higher end stuff and needed the features. So still they on made their a, website, they made a boarded amp. Well, yeah, but if they're still selling them, then you know if they're still cleaning them out, they're going to still going to have them on the on the website, and that mm-hmm. and that may persist six months after they're all gone. Um, main thing is they got that's dealer support. They have to support their dealers who have purchased the product and now trying to sell it. So, um, I, I seen a lot of companies hit that stumbling block. Paul Reed Smith being one specifically when they did the SE amp. Yeah. Those things were a mess. People had lots of problems with them and it actually kept them from continuing to make, um, it kept them from continuing to make uh, amps overseas for a number of years. And they retooled, and then they came out with Sanzera. And the Sanzera line's great. I've had one. Um, I don't, you know, so I kind of miss that amp, and I don't. It didn't handle the bass in my pickups very well either, um, which is why I don't really miss it all that much. But I did like what I had, and it worked great with my SG. So, um, but I had to downsize. A 50-watt amp was just too much for me. So. Alas, I no longer have a Sanzera. Um, 
I, I have a little trouble. So the the I'm just wondering if Friedman, because remember what I just said, they, they may have expanded too fast. Yeah, I'm wondering if that that expansion, they they went from here's a handful of amps to guitars here's a, and pedals. Here's a, and right, here's a buttload of amps pedal and a boards. bunch of pedals. Well, and you've right. got yeah, and pedal boards. I mean, if you look at what they do, they went from doing like a, a very limited line of heads and combos to where they're doing heads combos. Now they've got emulation models, modelers. Mm-hmm. Um, so monitors that do mo- monitors that do modeling. Okay, all right. So let, 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 me, let, me back us up, let me back us up for a minute because I have some more information there. I've been kind of following the meteoric rise of Friedman. And um, like many meteors, sometimes it's going to break up. And sometimes you have to accumulate space junk into the ice in order to continually grow the size of the meteor. Uh, so the modeling device that they have is yeah. actually a B-52 uh, PA cabinet. <laughs> it is a B-52 PA cabinet put into a wood box. And uh, it's really funny because it's pretty common knowledge at this point. Uh, if, mm. you, if you troll around any of the uh, FRFR groups, which, by the way, FRFR used to be the thing in the Helix group. People are like, oh, let's have a discussion about FRFR. It's gone now. You know why? Because Power Cab came out. So, actually, as I sit here and have ah. this discussion, I'm kind of thinking maybe Power Cab is probably a better option for me than an amplifier at this point. So, and that may be right. something I investigate. Um, so, let me get my cat out of the way here. Michonne's getting so big. She's huge. All right, so um, now they got cat hair all over my arm here. Uh, yep, <laughs> I, I we were talking about the 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 PA cap, the guitars. Those are Grover Jackson. They're rebranded. Okay, yep. they're they Grover Jackson's making those guitars for them. Um, the pedal line. Uh, my understanding is they are building those themselves, but the pedal. Well, we'll get into that too because there's another piece of that whole thing. Uh, the pedals themselves are probably designed by Friedman himself, um, but they're basically FET versions of the amps in in a in a pedal format. And then the um, we were talking about so there's the the guitars, the pedal line, the pedal boards, and all that stuff. He's been doing that shit for years. Um, he, so maybe the power supply is a new, unique design, but he's been building pedal boards for pros for probably twenty years. Um, that that's actually how he he became kind of known for doing the mods. It's like, oh, well, you do pedal boards and custom wiring and all that, and he's like, well, you know, I also modify Marshalls, you know. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> as far as the other products he makes, uh, the the guitars he the, he's contracting Grover Jackson build are great. Um, I those I would stand by for sure. Um, the amps, uh, yeah, probably. I I would think the Brown Eye, the higher end ones are probably great. Uh, the Brown Eye is the one I played. Um, and I've also played, so now I played the Pink Taco, the Runt, Brown Eye. I think I've also played the Dirty Shirley. Uh, the Dirty Shirley was the one I played at some Chicago Music Exchange. Um, so they're well, all you've got, decent. So, I mean, but yep. but at least with the Runt, I, I've seen quality problems. Um, well, you've got the Phil X signature. you got Steve Stevens' signature. Yeah, you've which those are, all based off the, those are all based off the Brown Eye. Yeah. Jerry Cantrell's signature. I think his is a Dirty Shirley. I might be wrong on that, but but I think they're all based off the Brown Eye or the Dirty Shirley. 
Um, and and the pink taco is supposed to be the brown eye in a small format. It's it's the brown eye dirt channel in a small format with no presence control. Like it has a reduced control functionality, basically. So that's the BE. The brown eye is BE. Uh, the BE one hundred, um, and they have a BE fifty yeah. now too. Yeah, and so they have. Uh, I mean, when you look at their small box. You know, yeah. as you've mentioned, the brown eye and the dirty Shirley, the mini dirty Shirley, the B100, the B50 yeah. to Bill Kelleher. I'm just saying that right now they've gone from, like I said, three or four amps to one, two, three. A giant There's line within, within five years. Yeah. So 13 heads. Um, it's got 13 heads, like eight cabin, or I mean, uh, eight um, combos. Uh, 12, 13 um, cabs you've got for guitars. You've got, like you said, yeah, they're being built by, um, uh, what do you call it? But there's the Metro D. Now, don't tell me that's his, that's from his old line. Um, the Metro D doesn't look anything like what a Grover Jackson was. No, no. They were they were designed by somebody <clears throat> for uh, Friedman. But Grover yeah. Jackson, they're not doing any of the building there. Grover Jackson's doing it all. Right, so, and then the vintage T. I mean, all I'm saying is you've got uh, you've got a lot, and then within the vintage T or the Metro D or whatever, you've got the you know the models of those. Holy crap! You've got just in the vintage T, you got um, ten well, vintage T's. The fun- and I'm not saying he's doing the building, but he's still got to have some management of it. No, or he's letting it, it go. And even, that's even the amps are, and I've heard. Somebody, if you know better about this than I do, please sound off in the group. Uh, the amps, from what I've heard, are not made by Friedman Amplification. They are made by another company, like a Builders Guild type company here in the United States. He designs now, them, gives them the design, they build them. Yep. And now, pickups. He's doing pickups. Yeah, so the pickups are definitely Grover Jackson. I mean... Yeah, that's without yeah, without question. Come on, it's just yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, what are you? You're an amplification company, and now you're you're trying to become Fender. Like, exactly. honestly, I think the company is probably gonna gonna bite off more than they can chew. And that's because, look, the guitars are great, but I'm sorry, I'm not buying a Strat copy for three thousand bucks. It's, it's right. It's crazy. Uh, uh, that's why even I if even if it's you know, and and they do a great job of making these guitars comfortably relict, but three thousand bucks. Come on, dude. Look, a Sir is 3000 bucks. That's right. Like, I can go get a top-quality guitar, from a, guitar uh, from a company that does nothing but guitars. But the resale on them isn't as great. Well, Sir, Sir doesn't make—they make amps, too, but yeah, it's a whole other thing. I know. I know Sir does amps, but a very limited number. Like, they have, like, three, four— oh, I would suspect—well, yeah, so limited number of designs. They probably—I think they have probably six now. Is it um, six? I know yeah. that— uh, What's his name? The jazz fusion guy that well, plays him. That Guthrie Gavon plays him, I thought, or he used to anyway. Yep. Um, but yep. they have, I know they have a couple of lines that do not have the sort of label on them that they make. So um, right. that's where I'm like, they probably make six now, I would say. But you know. And they've, they've gone into making um, Les Paul copies now, too. I, I Look, guitar's one thing. I don't look at Mesa Boogie and expect Mesa Boogie to bring out an amp. I don't look at Marshall and expect them to bring out an amp. The one company that's done that successfully and been really, really good at it over the years is Fender. Yeah. They make decent guitars and they make 
some of the finest amps that people hold up, you know, their other amps against. And I'm just saying, if you want to get your money's worth on a Sir, you look used. You yeah, and so, the grand all day long. So that would be the thing. Like I would probably look used anyway if I was going to go that route. I still am leaning towards Ibanez AZ just because, like, I kind of like the whole "fuck you" attitude about it. Like, yeah. I could buy your Sir, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> Because yeah. this is just as good you painted my ass. Yeah, uh, and you'll still pay less than you would for a used sir. Yes. Uh, now, I want to see the case that they come with and stuff. Like, that's always important to me. Um, I I don't know. So I was in the Platinum Room over there today, and I was looking on the wall, and they have... Uh, basically, their Platinum Room wall now is like... All the guitars are locked, which is kind of funny. Because they're not even expensive guitars. They're like 3000 bucks and under. Um, a lot of them are 1000 yeah. bucks. And yeah. they're they're almost all Ernie Ball Music Man guitars, and um, a couple of Majesties. Like I get the Majesty. I understand why people like that thing. If you're a metal player, like it's a pretty cool axe. Um, and then they had the the Stingray, which I they could kill that guitar for me. Like it doesn't it does nothing for me. Um, oh. it's kind of it's kind of Leo Fender making a Strat because he has to, and. Yeah because he's not able to use the strat, you know, concept <laughs> that, that this is what you get. Uh, I yep. mean, is that the cutlass or is that the, I think it's a cutlass. Yeah. The cutlass. I'm pretty is sure you I'm got about. that right. So I don't know. I like, I like some of their stuff, but some of their stuff that get, I just don't feel like Ernie ball does anything other than artist models. Yeah. Ernie ball does artist models. Well, when you talk about Ernie Ball, I instantly think of John Petrucci. The Axis. Yep. I mean, those are the ones that I think of. I don't think of um, the Music Man. Mm-hmm. Cutlass. I mean, now, yeah, the Cutlass. That's it. I mean, it's like, now when I think of Ernie Ball, actually, when I think of Ernie Ball guitars, I think of the bass. Yeah, and the I Stingray think of, bass. And... Yep, the Stingray, the Bongo, those yeah. lines. Um, yeah. Those are two great if, you're, if, if you're, I was going to play, if I was going to get into bass, like, I would buy a Stingray. Yep, Stingray a bongo. Yeah. Cause, and it would be a Stingray for me, just because I like that classic. The oh, I want, yeah, I'd get a five-string Stingray. I played um, the, yep, that would be me too, five-string five Stingray. My bu- my buddy uh, bought a Stingray. So right after our band is all, our first band is off, he bought a Stingray. And we played a couple of times, and, and I got to mess around with it, and I was, I was really impressed. And it wasn't that expensive either. I played um, a bongo. You know what? The only thing I didn't like about the bongo, and I and I wanted to love it because that weird shape. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like, I just could not love playing that. Yeah, weird shape. It just didn't feel right for me. Yeah, and it and it felt like it was like a neck neck dive thing. Where yeah. So that's another thing. Bass for me, like when I'm playing bass, body doesn't matter as much. No, nope. because my because my arm doesn't sit against the contour. Cause I'm yep. over the top and I got my thumb resting on the body, like, yep. or Same on top here. of the pickup. It just doesn't yep. matter. Nope. You can get away with Matter of fact, more. the only time that a body matters when it comes to a bass is if it's uncomfortable. Yes. Like when it does not sit right. Like that John Entwistle thing that he was playing for BC rich or whatever. Oh, what was he thinking? He's probably thinking, give me all your money. <laughs> I'm sure they, I'm sure you got to pay a pretty yeah. penny to play that thing. Um, you know, as as I watch the price, so you know, I've been interested in the Jiva Ten, right? And more and more, I'm thinking mm, I'm going to have to wait on it because it went from being like yeah, it's insanely under- overpriced right now. 
Yeah, it's it's gone to fifteen hundred. It hasn't even come out yet. It's fifteen hundred. It was supposed to be eleven hundred dollars, and then we've watched it go to thirteen, and then fourteen, and it's now I believe it's fifteen ninety nine. Yeah, it's it, well, I think it was fourteen ninety nine, but I know that it, as far as I'm concerned, fifteen hundred for an untested guitar on the market. Yeah, well, so you can buy an S series, a nice yeah. one. Yeah, nice S series prestige. You can get a prestige for under two grand. I think you can get it for like eighteen hundred. I want to say. Yeah. So why would you buy a Jiva, which is an Indonesian guitar at fifteen hundred dollars? It doesn't make any sense. I think I think they've priced themselves out of that guitar at this point. I do too. Um, I do too. I can see a price drop, a significant price drop. Really, we don't know if that's the MSRP or the uh, the map. The manufacturer adjusted price that fifteen hundred. Well, that's or if that's, it, the, that's demand the pre-order pr- price. That's the demand yeah. price is what that is. That's it, the pre-order price. People, right everybody now. on there, everybody on the internet wants it right now. Just like that PRS, they're watching what happened with PRS and the Silver Sky, and they're going, "We're going to cash in." Is yeah. is what that what that is, dude? Have you heard that the Silver Sky people are selling their pre-orders for that guitar, like their their guaranteed delivery date or whatever, for like twice what the guitar goes for? I'm telling you right now, I'm still I'm still I, interested I'm in the Silver Sky. Yeah, yeah, but wait three years when you can get them on the shelf. Oh yeah, it's I, nuts. it's just that I okay. So I love playing my um, SG, and I love playing my um, my Paul Reed Smiths. I honestly, the only you know, I'm looking at this Stratocaster thing, going, it's kind of a. It's one of those things just to say I did it. It's a project. Yeah, it's okay. We can have projects. I got that. I got the Shengze, which, by the way, I wanted to tell this little horror story. So over the last, there we go. All right, I'm not. (laughs) I I have to preface this. I have to send my pickups back. Um, I don't want to make this seem like this is a bad quality problem or anything like that. I I got my pickups. I installed them. They sound effing great. And I put the guitar in the middle position while I'm doing a demo. And they're out of phase. So I I immediately call my, my guitar shop thinking that maybe they miswired them or something. Stupid me. Like, I'm being, you know, I'm already pointing the finger at somebody. And they told me no. They said that we noticed it. We went ahead and installed them anyway. Um, we noticed it. Like, you got, you've got two pickups that are wired in the same, in the same way. So they, they, he, t- he told me, he said... No big deal. You just go back to your pickup guy and have them, you know, rewind it or have them, you know, make you a new set or whatever. So I I went back to Nick. Nick's been great. Nick walked me through the disassembly process so we could figure out exactly what was going on so that I didn't have to send pickups back if I didn't need to. Um, We we took the guitar apart together via Facebook. I was sending him pictures and stuff. And uh, I took the actually completely dissected the pickup and we determined that there's that there is an issue. So I'm sending him back. He's going to send me a new set, or he's going. To, I don't. I don't know whether he's going to send me a new set, or he's going to fix these. Um, which these are these are fixable. I just don't like messing around with the tiny little wire because I will break it. Um, so I'm going to send them back to him, and I, I've had them in my possession in a box, wrapped and ready to go for two weeks now. And every time I've gone to the post office, something has happened. And the last time I went, um, I w- I had misplaced his business card, which came with the pickups. So I didn't have his address, and I was trying to get a hold of him. He had a gig that night. He didn't see that message. So I just said, oh, well, hell, I'll have to come back tomorrow. I didn't get back tomorrow, so I came. I went out just before we started podcasting, and I went to the post office. We have kiosks there, like digital kiosks, where I can send a package, even on Sunday, right? 
And I walk in, and the place is like a tomb. There's people where well, there's like one guy getting something out of the post box. But um, I put my thing on the kiosk, and then I look, and it says error down or down for tech down for technical reasons or something like that. And I walk to the next one, same thing. Error down for technical reasons. I'm just like fuck. Like, seriously, this is the third time I've tried to mail these goddamn things. So it's like, this is just nightmarish. I'm going to get in the fucking car. He's over in Michigan. I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to drive them over to him because it might be more reliable than trying to put him in the post office box. <laughs> uh, once that thing gets finished, I'm going to have a demo for everybody. And it's and you'll see how good Nick Bomber's pickups are. Great Lex custom pickups. Honestly, I could I could put the demo together right now using the bridge and neck position, but I can't do the in between. And um, they do sound great. And and Nick, the pickups you made for me are fantastic. Um, I they they're more than I could have hoped for. So this guitar is going to come to life. Um, I'm already looking at articles on how to relic it because I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna sand the finish off the back of the neck. I think I'm going to kind of nick up the body a little bit. I, I would love to strip the, the finish on it and put um and and do it up in nitro and and just like let it nitro and maybe like the thinnest coat of clear you've ever seen in your life. So it'll relic real fast. Um, and that way I'll have a guitar that's like it's got a story to it because because hell, hell, I had a guitar when a company was just starting out and then it failed. <laughs> this is what became of it, you know, Um I don't know. I, it's, it'll be cool if I could do it. Uh, I was already like reading about how you can check. Basically, you take uh, canned air and you flip it upside down and you spray down the finish with, uh, with if it's nitrocellulose and it'll it'll crack. The finish will crack in spiderweb. Yep. So I, I'm dude. I'm like I'm all in on this. If we, if I can get this to do it, like we, we're gonna have a really cool looking less ball. We're done. This is oh, yeah. the uh, I'm I, Jim. I was gonna ask you this, and so it's good to do it on the show here. Is it okay if we make the Shingze our uh, show's mascot? <laughs> oh heck yeah! Why not? Yeah, it could be it the show's be. mascot for now. I mean, we can. Uh, you know what? They don't mind stealing um, copyright, <laughs> right? Stuff, so. so fuck <clears throat> it, and they're gone. So fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> we it's actually like we should we should we should use the goddamn cat that's on the logo. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I meant the guitar guy, itself. I hate but, to say it, but I'm 100 percent sure they stole that too. Because there's a guy yeah. at work, and. Um, he has uh, that cat as a forearm tattoo. That wouldn't, said, that wouldn't surprise oh, me. Oh, Shangzi got t- guitars. He goes, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah, and you just start goes, la- and you just start laughing. Yeah, he says, "This is a this is the cat from um, uh, Alice in Wonderland." <laughs> That's so funny. The Cheshire cat. And, yeah, and it's a Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland. Well, I wonder Come if they did out. the same thing. They used the Cheshire cat as their, like, which is really funny because if you know what the Cheshire cat stands for and the fact that they were selling guitars out of China and their operation was kind of like fly-by-night and <laughs> it's the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> think about it. <laughs> it'll it'll yep. all make sense to you eventually. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that all goods <laughs> out of China are, you know, suspect of these problems, but I'm saying that they were. <laughs> yep. very Very much so. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, so my mod project where we're at, right. Once you get these pickups done, I need new hardware. Um, I'm going to install, um, probably tone pros bridge and then I'm done. Guitar is done. Stick a fork in it. I'm not screwing around with it anymore. Um, 
and it, it's it is already more than a wall hanger. Like it plays really well. Um, I I so maybe I'll have it refretted at some point once uh, once my buddy uh, Dan Kish, friend of the show, uh, gets gets his uh, skill level to where I feel confident we can we can refret it really easily. We we might refret that for the show. I I in fact if we do it we'll probably do it as a series of videos or something because I've done it before I've never done a guitar with binding, um, but I'd like to put some big ass frets in it. I don't even know if that's do well. You just adjust the bridge height bridge height to compensate, I guess. How um, do frets with big asses look? Uh, so you know Dunlop sixty one hundreds. That's that's basically a fret with a big ass. It's two <laughs> two cheeks, a treble cheek and a bass cheek. A bass cheek. I'm, I'm definitely a jumbo fret kind of guy. Large, yeah, I've heard women like big asses too. So yeah. I like my I, I like my wife my, loves um, a big ass. Look at me. My friends have big asses. I'm the biggest. I'm the biggest ass in the room. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm I'm the second biggest. She, she's so, sitting over in a chair here, uh, watching her her uh, iPhone right now. I don't know that she just heard me say that I'm the biggest <laughs> ass in the room. <laughs> Somebody's smiling. She must have. We'd be alone for the rest of our lives. Yeah, no shit. All right. So, um, as you know, I picked up an amp. No. So you sure I know, did. Because you, sure you hate did. this amp. I fucking and I'm actually uh, liking right. it right now. Before, so before Jim goes on, be interesting. Before Jim goes on, I need to do this for our listeners. I fucking loathe this goddamn amp. Uh, it is the only amp I've ever had where, where I could not sell it. Nobody would buy the goddamn thing. I was to the point at, at, at one point while I was listening to reverb where I was just talking about throwing it off a bridge. Like I was fucking mad. Actually, that would be a good stunt. If anybody wants to send me one of these things, I will absolutely find a bridge and I will toss that motherfucker into oblivion. You could throw it over the lower wax. Yeah, um, I'll, call, I'll call, uh, I'll call Ryan and I'll ask him who he gets to do his drone shots. And, and he can come out and videotape me throwing a fucking amp off a bridge. Yep. All right, Jim, All right. go for it. All right. So, yes. So, um, behind me is a Lone Star HT5R. Not a Lone Star. Lone Star, yeah, no. A Black, black star. star. A Black Star, sorry. A Lone Star HT5, that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, HT5R. And I got to tell you, I like it. So far, I'm really liking it. And, uh, you know, now you got to remember, I use a clean channel, right? Yeah. All right, so I did some I did some recording today. I mic'd it up. Um, I think I screwed up mic'ing it up. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Why do you think right. you screwed I mean, up mic'ing it up, I think up, I Jim. kicked it. In other words, I kicked it the second time I did it. I think I, 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 think I nudged the mic and oh. it was off center. Oh, that's fine. But anyway, um, here's the other thing I found out. Remember when I said I thought that it sounded like it was, um, it sounded a little bad? That was me using the mic. That wasn't the other side. That's what I figured. So I think I've got the mic in the wrong place on the cone. I yeah. Look. So the, I, if I remember the cone in the, the, the uh, speaker in there is actually offset. Yeah. So you need to use like a flashlight or something to see the. Well, I did. I went. I, I did feel for where the cone is, but I think I was too far in the middle of the cone. I too always, far outside of the cone. I always use a flashlight, and then what? Um, what I would recommend you do is like hold it at an angle so you can see the the actual speaker, the actual speaker side, bright bright flashlight. And then yeah. once you once you get it 
Uh, you actually want to be so where the dust cap is that the little center like thing. You actually I, the way I start is 50 50 on that dust cap. And it doesn't have to be right or left. A lot of people think it has to be right or left of the dust cap or like uh, whatever. You can be up or down on that dust cap. So Right. Right. Now, here's here's what happened, though. The microphone, instead of doing this, instead of being perpendicular, it was like this. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, some people do that. Yeah, Uh, but because I did this. Yeah, that will destroy your highs in your signal, but. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. All my highs were gone. Mm -hmm. Um, So, remember I told you it sounded like a wet blanket? Sure. Kind of like it. Yeah, that was the thing. So anyway, <clears throat> I got to redo them, but, uh, and I broke a string on my uh, SG in process, as I said. But um, I like it. I like the output of it. I like the sound of it. I like the, um, I like the end. That's terrible because I know you hate them. It's Jim. So it will be different. interesting to see what you think of the, of the sound. It's different strokes for different folks. Um, and I'm sure in your hands, it'll be, it will not sound bad. But I had an HT5R. And I, let me tell you, it's story time. If you have milk, yeah. if you have cookies in a cot, please lay down, get ready to take your nap. It's just like kindergarten. We're going to go to school right now. So I had a Blackstar HT5. I had one right when they first came out, like uh, maybe a year or two after they came out, right? That's so like um, six or seven years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, and and Dan Kish can attest to this because he came over one time and I had that amp. And I was like, you won't buy it? <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> like, that's, I'm, I'm serious. So uh, <laughs> I had this amp and I was going through, that was right after my kid was born and she she was probably two at the time and you're still nap time and all that. So I was trying to be quiet and I, I went through a couple of amps. I had the Vox AC4 TV and I had, um, I think I had an Epiphone Val Jr. around that time and some other things. So I, I got a black star because, oh my gosh, it's a, it's a high gain five watt amp. Yep. Um, high gain amps are always expensive. And so when you see one that's like, you can get it used for like 300 bucks, you're like, Wow, like what happened? Now there's now there's some options. Like you got Panama and stuff like that. Yep. Um which you know, for 300 bucks, maybe I'll get a Panama for the show and we'll demo it. Or maybe yeah. I can get me get Robert Jackson Lemmy one or I can go down to Robert Jackson's place on a weekend or something. Yeah. And we can do a video together. Um Yeah, be cool. So the Panama or not Panama, the the Blackstar HG5 when I got it the first couple of weeks I had it, I was okay with it. Um, it worked, and, and, and Jim, I remember, it worked good as a pedal platform. At the time I was running AOCD, I had, um, I think I had a Trifecta uh, Fuzz and some other things, and it, it worked okay with pedals. I had a pretty decent board at that time. Um, and when I would switch to the game channel, like, oh yeah, I got my, you know, I got my, I'm going to play play Ingve uh, or Steve Vai kind of sounds. But the second I would try to make that drive channel clean up, it was fucking disgusting. Like, I could not get any dynamics out of it whatsoever. If I pick, and I'm not talking about volume knob dynamics, you can do that with any amp. Um, but I'm talking about how, like, if you pick cleanly and you pick quietly, that the amp will not break up as much. It didn't do any of that. It was just full balls to the wall, like super compressed 
high gain, even if I was like, you know, whisper quiet um, to the point where if I would play with fingers, which I do do quite a bit, um, it would it, it wouldn't really operate properly. And then the big thing was, um, yes, the volume knob is not such a big issue on most amps, just like I kind of downplayed it a minute ago. I said, you know, that's not really the, the deal here. I did feel that the the amp remained compressed either quietly or loudly. Um, but it, it was not right. It did not sound the way that I that I anticipated it sounding. And so within like a month of owning it, I was like, what am I doing with this thing? And I, I mean, I tried to get along with it. I, I love the fact they had an effects loop. I love the emulated out. Um, I just thought that the set, like all the features, the 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 uh, the way that they tried to pack that amp loaded with things that you would need, are are it's fantastic, but the sound of it just killed me, and I and I was like never again. So when I sold it, it was on the, I think it was on Reverb for six months, and I was I mean I deeply discounted it. I was like get this damn thing out of here, um, and I think I ended up trading it to Guitar Center for something. Maybe that went with my Godan for uh, the Steinberg I had in my old office. I said probably it probably did. Um, so it is what it is. It's gone now. I don't miss it. I have no remorse. Uh, like I said, I would gladly take that thing out back and burn it. Um, dance around the fire, you know, all uh, Peter Gabriel style. Um, I I know we've got some <laughs> Peter Gabriel fans in the group. I've seen them sharing music on their Facebook page. So, you know, here, here we go dancing around the fire, you know? All right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, Jim, like I, I, different strokes for different folks. Maybe you can get something out of this thing that I couldn't. I know, like we talked about um, pickups being different in our guitars and the stuff we were using being very different. That's probably a big part of why I didn't like it. Um, and I think the tonality that I was getting out of it was different than what I wanted at the time too. I was wanting more of a probably British crunch. And you know, that's the funny thing. I have had so many amps over the years now and I, I didn't own a Marshall until probably two years ago. I bought my first Marshall two years ago. I've had, let me, let me think all the brands that I've had so we can kind of back this argument up. I've had Vox. I've had multiple Voxes. I've had Fender twice. I've had uh, Line 6. I've had PV. I've, ha- I've had multiple PVs. I've had two Marshalls now. No. Yeah, one, Mar- one Marshall now. I've had... Um, no, I've had two. I take it back. I've had two. And then I've had uh, Rivera. I've had, you know, Mesa. And I've had um, PRS. So of all those amps, the common thread here, obviously you can see my gain levels went up as time went on because I started out <laughs> with boxes and then I went to Fender and then I kind of went back and forth between Fender for a while and and yep. box and other things. And then I went completely into the Marshall spectrum. Like everything is dirty as hell now. Even my even my Mesa, I don't run it like like most people run their Mesas. I'm right. My mids are up and they're up a lot because uh, I want Marshall sounds and I like my Mesa. The only problem I have yeah. with it and the reason why I was willing to part with it today is it just doesn't it. 
it sounds like trash at low volume and I cannot use it without an attenuator. I don't have one right now. I don't have an attenuator. So basically it's collecting dust. And so I, I'm going to have to pony up and probably get an attenuator and it may be a breaking year of no gear purchase just so I can have it and make sure that like the Mark five is going to work for me long-term and then I'm not, I'm not selling myself short and I shouldn't be buying some sort of like high end amp clone or something for like yeah, a, exactly. a, a Mojave or something, you know, a, a Marshall, yep. a box type thing. Yep. I am. I I've already so as, as listeners of the show know, we, uh, we had an interview with Thomas blue. Um, I wrote it. I wrote to him recently and I, I asked, I, or I basically told him, I said, I am very, very interested in the amp one. And I said, um, I'm planning on getting one. Uh, the question is, do I still need my Helix if I do that? Right. And if and he I said, well, he's like, he was super excited. And we, we have, we've been having a conversation going back and forth since, but, um, I, th- he seems, and he's a guy that, that believes in, you know, the analog stuff. You know, he's not going to tell me what I'm doing is wrong. And he, and, and bravo to him for that, because I've been, I've had conversations with people that will, but I think he kind of understands where I'm coming from because he's a very similar player. Like he's kind of a bluesy rootsy, um, gainy player. Like he, he doesn't really need the super high gain stuff, um, to, to get what he wants. And that's kind of where I am too. Yep. So I, I have a feeling since our tastes are similar, I'm really going to like the amp one. Yeah. Or I could just get that Hughes and Kessner, uh, tube meister. I've always said it's not tube meister. It's the, um, what the hell? The Triamp? Mm, yeah, the that's Triamp. That's the one with the 1812 AX7, Yeah, isn't it? that's the big one. Yeah, that's the big one. The Triamp? What do yeah, they go can, for? That's that's some gain. Talk that's about, Alex talk, Lifeson gain. T- talk, like about the, talk some more about the HT5. I'm going to look and see if I can find uh, the price of those on Reverb while we're talking. All right, so I have... Um, the thing that I liked, so I, obviously I went right to... The fact that one, it has a, um, it has a, uh, um, the effects loop with the, because um, a lot of the guitar, the guitar amps, the smaller guitar amps don't have small tube amps, don't have an effects loop. Has an effects loop, has um, uh, the ability to put, um, you can, you can increase the volume of the effects loop if you need to, um, by giving it a gain, like a 10 dB gain boost, um, and. Uh, yeah, you're looking at the <laughs> thing's got a lot of tubes in it. It's not um, just that. I'll, I'll get to it in a minute. Go ahead. All right. So, um, I, I just like the sound of it. I was able to get a lot of good sound out of it, and I wasn't surprised. I wasn't shocked. I know that. Uh, I know that you were shocked, and you got to remember, it's been six years. There have got yeah. To there's probably changes. been some design revisions, and there was a lot of hubbub about that amp and. What are the tubes actually doing in it? Um, because they were saying like they're using a 12BH7 in it, which is a 12AX, yep. 12AX7 family tube. Um, yep. I think it was, I think you can actually get five watts out of a preamp tube. Right. But doing so has pro- there are problems, which is why more manufacturers don't do that. Um, right. So, there was a little bit of argument that they're using one half of the tube for, um, for a phase inverter or something. And then the other half of the tube is being used as like gain or something. I don't know. Um, right. And that the, and that the power amp is actually class D in it. 
I, I don't know. I'm not getting in the middle of that. If somebody if somebody knows more about the circuit wants to comment. But I just when I read that, I, I attributed that to a lot of my problems that I had with the amp. So uh, also of note, for those of you who are not aware, the team of people that works at Blackstar is allegedly the same team of people that came up with the valve state line over at uh, Marshall. So little tidbit. I've heard that from various people. So yeah. your mileage may vary. Anyway, and you were saying about the uh, <laughs> the H and K. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I don't think I ever seriously took a look at this thing when it was in Alex Lifeson's hands, who is probably the most famous user of it. My yep. God, this thing is a now we're going we're to start at the bottom here. Hughes and Kettner Triumph Mark three, 150 watt, six channel tube guitar head this thing yep. has one two three four five six power tubes right yeah and it has so it has six power tubes one two three four five six seven eight nine ten preamp tubes it had 16 tubes in that son of a bitch take a guess what these are going for used uh, the Triamp? Yeah. Without looking, take a guess. I'm not looking. Um, I don't know. Two grand? Oh, the, keep going. Between two really? Th- between twenty two fifty and $3,000. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is, if you go brand new, you can still get this thing brand new because they yep. had a high price tag attached to them. Um, I saw one going for 4000 B stock. Here's yep. another one going for thirty six hundred. So yep. these companies took a bath. That like these people that bought this thing took a bath on them. I think. Like yeah. they, this, this was an amp that was too much amp for most people. And uh, the other amp that reminds me of, that this reminds me of is the Road King. Mesa Road King was kind of the same thing, which was like I it wasn't as many tubes, but the Road King had the same purpose: provide four channels of craziness. You know, with with multiple power options, and I think I think the Road King even had like multiple sets of tubes, so you could have a switch on the back for EL thirty fours or six L sixes. Like it just got nuts, and to some extent, like I get that, I see why a pro might want that, but that's just un- like a normal working musician's not going to be like, man, I really want that toggle switch in the backs for the six L sixes, the EL thirty fours. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's going to be super useful. Um, except that you have to turn the amp off when I hit it. <laughs> and the, and the, I, I don't know if that's the case with those things, but I would assume you'd have to turn the amp off to do that. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. Like this, it's compelling. I, I have to say that y- you want a collector's amp. Here you go, because these things are going to be worth something. Those Marshall Majors that they made for Richie Blackmore, the 150-watt tube heads, those go for serious money. And they were made... Okay, despite what you hear, the only reason those things exist is because Richie Blackmore was at Jim Marshall's throat every day saying, I need something bigger and louder. And he had all kinds of problems. He used to kick them off the stage and burn them and stuff because they were just... They were horrendous. Um, Really? Yeah, so he had one... 
And I think it's back in the care of uh, Marshall now. But, like, basically, they gutted it and rebuilt it from scratch. And uh, it's got all kinds of mods and stuff to, to it. And I think the guy that used to used to be, like, the head of Ma- or, um, Marshall's product development, get a clone yep. built for himself. So, um, but oh, that's, wow. they got some crazy stuff in that Marshall Museum, let me tell you. Um, some stuff that'll probably never see the light of day. So, uh, but that's that's kind of cool, like, that he actually, like... This is this is a terrible design, so I need you to rebuild this in his text. Like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take care of it for you, Richie. You know, okay, um, right on it. Yeah, it'll be done by tomorrow. <laughs> There's a guy. So, so, so funny road crew story on Amps and Axes. They had a roadie on there one time, and he was talking about doing doing tech work. And he yeah. said that literally, that I forget who it was, but he was doing. He had like plexis, and he was literally building the amp every night. Because it just it oh, just yeah. could not hold it together. So yeah, the um, early Marshalls there were a lot of them that could the the tubes. If you even bounce them around a little bit, um, they would crap out on you. Oh, so the so in the Freedmans that's a design feature. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, now I'm gonna get, get I'm gonna get all sorts of Freedman hate mail now. Oh no. Well, you know, it, it it wouldn't hurt to try to get uh, try to get one not at your house, but get your hands on one long enough to long enough to show that it crackles and yep. explodes Snap, and crackle, breathes pop. fire everywhere. Yep, it's, it's it can't be as bad as like um, you know an AC fifteen or an AC thirty. I would hope not. Bri- Brian May runs his AC thirty so hard that they blow up. You know, <laughs> like every show. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. And we we talked about this before the show, so I'm not saying something that's going to take. We're going to tr- um, we're going to try to days. do this, and and this might take a few yeah. a few days slash weeks to get this done. But yeah, because I'm going to be gone next week, so or the, actually this week, this weekend. So it'll be a couple of weeks. But anyway, um, we're gonna we're gonna put together four riffs or solos. Then we're gonna do is we're gonna put um, we're gonna record them using the uh, HT five R a uh, tube meister a um from Hughes Kettner um the what is it the Mesa Mark, uh, Mark 525 525 the Helix set with the brown eye setting. Yeah, we're going to do the brown eye setting on the Helix cuz it's more reliable than the real things. Right. For the No, v- I'm ki- I'm totally yeah, kidding. I know. Um uh and um what's the other one? Oh, and your katana yeah, the, oh, of course. Got to get, got to get that uh, Japanese sword action in there. Oh, yep. you mean the amp? And you're gonna have you. We've got to mic the speakers and do DI. So your so katana, that katana, have fun. That, that katana is gonna be gonna be awesome, Mike. We we've done it before, and mm-hmm. and the thing is, this is why Eric Clapton and other artists have used the little mini Fender combos and mic'd them up because the the speaker is bigger than the microphone. Like, like yeah. it's, you know, in, in most cases, like when you're making a 12 inch speaker, the speaker is way bigger than the microphone. In this case, the microphone's bigger than the speaker. And <laughs> what ends up happening is this like weird phase relationship thing where the speaker sounds huge. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I can't explain it. It's, Crazy. it's like it, it can pick up since the microphone now sounds huge at that point, basically. Uh, it's weird. So, so I want to get a ribbon mic, Jim. That yeah. I we can't afford one, but we need to get one between the two. Well, we can't mail it back and forth. No, 
That would not be good yeah. for a ribbon mic. <laughs> I need to get a ribbon mic. I'm, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to see if I can find a cheap one or something. Yeah, I'm going to see if, what they've got used in the area. Because uh, anyway, For room yeah. mic. Yeah, yeah. Well, you want to get room. I, I'm not really. No, no. What, the reason why I want to get a room the mic. The room for me. It, it, this is not a podcast thing. The reason I want the room mic is for when I'm doing the fuzz demos. I need a really, yeah. really sensitive mic that can be like 10 feet away. And that makes sense. Because I want the, I want to get those Hendrix sounds where they were using a close mic and a room mic. Yep. So. Yeah. I can't blame you there. Anybody got a Royer? Uh, I think it's a Royer 120 or a Royer 160. You a Royer so, 120. <laughs> yeah. You want to sell me one? Uh, I know the Neumann is like, it's over $1,000. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty expensive. Anyway. So. That's, I think that's a good thing to wrap up with. Yep. Um, we have uh, really had a good, um, a good run for the show so far. Um, I wanted to, to bring everybody, cause we're, we're a little over today, but I, but I wanted to take some time out to acknowledge um, all the people who participate in the Facebook group um, and kind of just like give a shout out to everybody. But at the same time, also say that, we're on episode, this is the one we're recording right now. Let me look it up while we're looking. Um, we are on episode. Drum roll, please. Yes, drum roll. We are on episode 63. 63 episodes already. Um, we're not past a year yet. This is a marathon session. Uh, right. We are trying to get, so. Basically, what Jim and I have decided is we're going to get to um, our anniversary date, Jim and I's anniversary together, and then we're going to uh, love in the first degree. We're going to start up season two. So if you guys have some things like format change ideas and things like that you want to propose, like we'd be more than willing to entertain them. Um, otherwise, we'll just make season two more of this insanity that we've been doing for the first, uh, which will probably be the close to Oh, close to 104 episodes. Yeah. And we should be right around 100, I would think, because uh, I know there were some yeah, weeks we, where we didn't do two in the beginning. And then right. we had the month of January where we basically just fell off the map. Um, but we've been really consistent since then. And yeah. uh, Jim and I, so to go back, and I, I know there's probably people who, who have followed us from the beginning. Jim and I, in the month of January, fell off the map because there was a lot of stuff going on for him and I both. It wasn't like we didn't want to do the show or we were kind of getting bored with it. Not at all. Like when we jump back into it, we jump back into it. Um, and around January is when I took over the production, which is why we got not to be pissing in your Wheaties, Jim, but it's why we got really consistent. Cause I, I wanted to be consistent. Like I was right. working really hard for consistency. I am now too. We record just to give uh, the, the backstory. We record on Saturday or we record on Sunday nights or Monday night, depending and then yep. we, we, I'm, I, sometimes you'll see errors in the issues in the episodes last week, last two weeks, we, we've been recording that right before the episode drops. And right. you'll notice that the panning is off in one episode and that sometimes mm -hmm. our levels aren't great. And it's just because I'm running as fast as I can to get these episodes up. Um, yeah. I apologize for any of that. I'm going to try to do better and do better, Dave, you can do better. Um, and I, you know, if that's a, if it's offensive to anybody, I apologize. Um, we're going to do better on that. We're going to try to hit this Sunday uh, thing so I can use Monday to actually mix the show. 
and then try to post. Um, and we've never said this publicly, but I try to post 7 p.m. Central Time. Um, it may be a little bit after uh, the, the nights where we're actually recording. A lot of times we're recording at 7 p.m. Central Time, so it doesn't get up till 10. So just know that if you're if you're looking for consistency in the episode, if you check. So they come out on on uh, Monday night. Check Tuesday morning, every Tuesday morning, every Thursday morning. And you're going to and you should have an episode. And if you don't have an episode, post in the group and yell at me. It's not it hasn't happened in a long time. Um, I think one night I forgot, but we have we're doing two episodes a week. Sometimes we're doing three. So, you know, we got content for you guys. We will always have content. Um, And again, video ideas. If you guys have ideas for videos, please shoot shoot them out to us. Um, Even if it involves gear we don't have, we will beg, borrow and steal to get it so that we can yep. we can demo it uh, within reason. We we talked about doing the PV Viper demo um and we decided against it because the PV Viper professional is like 600 something dollars. It just doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, it, it'd be one thing if I could is. get the money out of it after I bought it, but there's no way in hell I'm buying a PV Viper professional and getting my money out of it. It's just never going to happen. So all right. With that being said, I'm going to wrap this episode up for us. I have been David and I've been Jim. And this week we were really long-winded practical guitarists. Yes. Yeah.